At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 334th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. The Urban Farm Podcast is sponsored by HealthIQ.com. As I get older, I am finding that leaving a legacy is becoming more important. And a big part of that is making sure my loved ones are financially sound when I depart. One way to do that is through life insurance. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that helps runners, cyclists, yogis, vegetarians, urban farmers, and other health-conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com forward slash urban farm to support our show and see if you qualify. Today on our podcast, we have someone who wants every backyard farmer to know the joy of being a chicken parent. We're talking with Kunal Sampat about raising backyard chickens. After living in urban neighborhoods for his entire life, Kunal wanted to experience a sustainable rural lifestyle. In 2013, he welcomed a flock of 16 baby chicks at his home in San Jose, California. Since Silicon Valley kids knew a whole lot about technology and very little about raising chickens, he started to offer free farm tours in his backyard. A teacher at heart, Kunal recently launched a comprehensive online video course on raising chickens. He enjoys connecting like-minded people, introducing new ideas, and immersing himself in an environment of continuous learning. Welcome to the show today, Kunal. Are you ready to rock? I am ready, Greg. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Sure. So when I started, I moved from Mumbai when I was 17, and we lived in a really busy neighborhood, just cars and big, tall buildings and and very few trees. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was in Massachusetts for school for almost four or five years, and I lived in New Hampshire. And just I've always been in love with nature and then moved to California, and I started a master composting class at the county of Santa Clara. Oh, nice. And then my wife and I started to have like these baby, well, not baby, but they were these earthworms that, you know, you do vermiculture. Right. You put these worms in a bin and, you know, you give them scraps from your kitchen. Mm-hmm. And that was good for a while. But when we traveled, it became really hard because the worms couldn't really survive, you know, without a bit of care. And then, you know, I, I had a manager at work and he he was from Tennessee, but he and he had moved to California and he hated it. He said, this is not a place where I want to live. <laughs> and I couldn't ever understand why was he saying that? I was like, this is really beautiful. Right. And then he, he, you know, he used to commute back and forth to from Tennessee at some point. And I, I started to understand his world a bit more. And then he said he had started raising chickens. And that's how I got wow. interested. And he, and he said, go ahead, give it a try. You, you know, you're, you're a backyard. And then I think that was exactly the time when we bought our house. Uh-huh. And I, I told my wife, do we want to move to Tennessee? And she wasn't quite ready for that big <laughs> move. So yeah, that's how we ended up getting our flock and, wow. and getting started with chickens. 
Wow, cool. So in your bio, you talk about starting free farm tours of your backyard. How did that come about? Tell us about that, please. Sure. So we didn't want to be one of those people that were talking about chickens on Facebook and everywhere on social media because we thought we would annoy other people that uh-huh. really didn't understand our, our craze about chickens. So my, we created a separate page for Sampath Farms and a separate website. And slowly but surely, people started to find out about what we did. And, and with 16 chickens and just two people in the house, we had a surplus of eggs. Oh, yeah. And then when, when people came, they're like, can we buy our eggs? And, and we're like, sure, you can buy our eggs. And then they wanted to see how we were raising chickens. And then they were like, hey, and then there were some people that just wanted to come in for the tours. They're like, can we just see how you guys raise your birds? Because uh-huh. then the word started to spread. I specifically remember there was one Japanese lady that had come to our house. And I didn't even, you know, I, I didn't know much about her. But she came to get the eggs. And then she wrote a big blog in Japanese, which I obviously didn't understand. Wow. Comparing store-bought eggs with fresh farm eggs and then she had like put photos of the the two eggs and what differences she was spotting and i think she put it out there and i think that kind of got some traffic and then people like started calling us to say hey can you come in and I think the big moment was when we signed up with Tour of the Coop. So there's something in the Silicon Valley called Tour of the Coop. Right. It's a full day where people come on their bicycles to see different chicken coops in the neighborhood. We signed up for that for, for a day. And then we had like basically families coming in every, you know, that all day. But in general, right now, every Sunday from 3 to 5 p.m., because we're usually at home at that time, uh-huh. we just keep it an open slot if people want to come and see our chickens and have some fun. Wow. What kind of responses are you getting from people when when they come to see your tour. In fact, here, I got a better question for you. Something has happened since you started giving those tour and somebody somebody came and they were most amazed or most moved. Tell me about that person. Sure. I personally have enjoyed to see the smiles on people's faces and the questions they ask. Right. You know, our, our chicken coop is fairly large. I would say we call it the Four Seasons Chicken Coop because it's like the Four Seasons Hotel. Oh, right. And I remember this one little kid and she she was like basically jumping in and out of the coop and she was just so happy to see the chickens and just kind of, you know, she felt like they were her family. And I think the curiosity about the, the fact that chickens sleep on perching rods, I don't think oh, people right. know that. Yeah. People have this false sense of like, oh, chicken coops smell a lot. But then when they find out that, hey, they don't really smell a lot, you know, or they don't smell at all. Yeah. I I think those are the things that really intrigue people and and things they've never thought of. And the most amazing thing is, you know, when you know where your food is coming from. Like, you know, when the kids go into the the coop, they, they pick up the eggs and then they take the eggs home. And then they bake something from it. So now they exactly know where this the eggs came from, right? Rather than like going to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or whatever right. and just getting it from a shelf. So I, I think there's a few different, you know, aspects to this. When did you start keeping chickens? May 2013. Wow. All right. So it's only been four or five years. That's right. How did you go about discovering how to keep them? What was that process like? You know, I ordered our baby chicks from a hatchery, a mm-hmm. big hatchery, a Murray Hatchery and McMurray. You know, I really started by trial and error. I was just reading uh, blogs online and talking to, mostly talking to this one manager that I had and, and just get understanding the basics from him. And I've made so many mistakes along the way. And I remember back in 2013, I was really not even an avid reader. I didn't even read books at that time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I lacked that curiosity. So I, I don't, I didn't read any of the books. I think I was just doing search on YouTube and maybe just talking to a couple of people right. that I, I knew. So that was really my source of information, which probably wasn't the best source of information. I think a lot of it was just trial and error and figuring things out as we raised them. 
Yeah. Cool. So what kind of urban myths can we bust up about keeping chickens? For those of our listeners out there that haven't kept chickens yet or haven't thought about keeping chickens, you know, what kind of urban myths can we keep, can we bust up about how to keep them? Sure. So number one is I think people think that they need to have a rooster in order to get eggs. Oh, yes. And you don't really need a rooster. The rooster is more for the social dynamics and, and just, you know, for the whole coop. You know, you can get infertile eggs, which are, you know, the eggs that you can eat. Right. So you don't need a rooster. So I think a lot of people are concerned that what if we have a rooster and the rooster is crowing and our neighbors are going to get upset with you. You can get sex chickens that are basically hens. Our female chickens are known as hens. And you can just order those. Mm-hmm or get them from a local farmer and raise them. So that's number one. I think another big myth is the smell. I think people just think it's a lot of work and it's good. The, the, the coop is going to smell. But, you know, I think if they use the right techniques, if there's enough ventilation in the coop area, if they put, for example, if they put straw or they have like deep mulching in the coop mm-hmm. area, yeah, they can get rid of a lot of odors and, you know, it's great. Really, the smell is managed by cleaning up, right? The smell is managed by cleaning up, but also I think if you if you had straw on the on in the coop floor, yeah, then it's going to absorb a lot of the the poop, right? And and it's going to you know it's going to convert into you know natural compost in some ways. One of the things that I've noticed here at the urban farm is I used to clean up less often, and sure. we've been dealing with some mites in our chicken coop over the past couple of months, so we've been cleaning up more often and. You know, if you go into your chicken coop and, and rake up or shovel up the chicken poop on a, you know, once a week basis, that handles it, I've found. It just, you know, it seems to handle the flies. It, it handles the smell. So I think for me, I think a big piece of it is about the cleanliness of your coop. And then there's, you know, there's virtually no smell. Exactly. So how many chickens do you have right now? We have 19. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Six of them are older and then the balance of them are a year and a half old. Yeah, so it, that's great. Yeah, I think cleaning periodically does obviously help. <laughs> you know, if you if you if you tend to be a little more lazy and uh-huh. you know, or don't have the time to clean it, you know, there's other ways you can manage yeah, the order. Exactly. I, I feel like if you're keeping your chickens like enclosed all day long or in, a, in a coop, then and there's no ventilation and there's uh-huh. no sunlight, a couple of different factors that can play into you know just things being odor free. Yeah, exactly. But I, I find the most important one for us has been the straw. Like putting just dry straw on, on, because, you know, at night when the chickens are in the coop, that's when they're going to, you know, poop the most. And right. then, uh, you know, your coop is going to be filled with, with stuff. Myth number three we want to bust up here. Sure. So myth number three is people overestimate how much time it's going to take for them to, you know, clean their chicken coop area. They have this belief that chickens are going to make a big mess. Mm-hmm. And there is a way to control that mess. Like, you you, you know, you, you if you have the right plants in place in, in your chicken coop area, or if you have the right process set up in terms of, like, you know, putting down straw, for example, we talked about. Right on the chicken coop floor, then then your cleaning can be minimized significantly. You can even go down to like just cleaning once in six months, really, if you wanted to. Ah, uh, right. So, you, you know, there's ways around how you can get around the cleaning. So you base, the bottom line is you could take care of your chickens in less than five minutes a day for a, you know, small backyard farm with mm-hmm. six to eight chickens. So. Yeah. And it should be no problem for you to do that. Perfect. And for those of you listening out there, if you're going every six months, they use something called a deep litter method. I think you mentioned that earlier. Is that correct? Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. So what do you feed your chickens? 
So right now we're in the process of transition. So as I am also learning more about chicken feeds and so right now to answer your question directly, we feed them Purina feed, which is basically like a dog food bag. It comes in a size of a dog food bag, right. but it's for chickens, obviously. And it's it's not organic. It, it is, it's a feed. I know there's another company that's Scratch, Scratch and Peck that sells organic, non-GMO. Right. Uh-huh feed so you you know obviously that's a great option we haven't looked into that but we also give chickens grains because especially in the winter mornings you know it's just good for them to have some uh, organic grains so we have a bag of organic grains that we just get from the feed store but right now i'm in the process of also like making my own feed so i don't have to like buy stuff all the time yes that's the transition phase i am in so how did you figure out how to make your own poultry feed Sure. So I wouldn't say I've figured it out. I'm in the transition of figuring this out myself because the certified organic grains that we buy from the the grocery store or sorry, not the grocery, the the chicken feed store. Yeah. They're like $25 a bag, which I think is a lot of money. And I also want to try to move away from like buying things all the time, but rather like, you know, making them myself. So there is a book that I just ordered off Amazon. It's called Feeding Poultry, the classic guide to poultry nutrition for chickens, turkeys, ducks, geese, game birds, and pigeons. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a 600-page book. Oh, my gosh. It's by no means a small book, but I, I think it has everything you need to know about feeding poultry and, and making your own feed. Right. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that in the coming days. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. So you run an online education portal for chickens. Tell us about that. Sure. So my wife and I are vegetarians. We've had a stance of, at some point we wanted to get 500 chickens and have a big farm because where we live in Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. people really don't have options to buy like fresh farm eggs just because land is so expensive here that there aren't that many, you know, large farms that are, you know, able to supply eggs to people. So we said, why don't we do that? Why don't we have a big farm? But then we were contemplating with like, what do we do with the chickens once they stopped laying? And we, we didn't, we, we... We just weren't ready to to slaughter them, and I don't think we we're just not there yet with that. Although I buy for me by all means, I I don't mind people slaughtering chickens for food. It's something that we haven't decided. So we said, how about we get, encourage other people to raise their own chickens in their backyard because people already have a decent size backyard and they could have anywhere between three to six chickens and they should produce sufficient eggs for the families to be providing you know the eggs and stuff like that so right. the the challenge is the, the you know right now people are so distracted in the world we live there is social media there is all this information in like work like people are having a busy silicon valley lifestyle for example at least where we are but i'm sure like everywhere people are you know having a lot of things going on in their life. So we said, right. Right, and, and they don't have time to read books. So if, if, if reading books is hard, then we said, let's create an online course. We can teach people how to, you know, raise their own, own backyard chickens. And that's how we came up with this idea. We had the technology skills and, and you know, we obviously had a camera and my wife knows a lot of the video editing tools. So we said, let's let's do that. And, and so we've been doing this for almost a year and a half. It took us a really long time to put this together, but we're pretty proud of the, the final product that we have. Perfect. So it's an online video course on keeping chickens. That's right. That's right. Excellent. And we'll have information on that in the show notes page. 
Cool. Exactly. Yep. Right. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you learned from it. I don't want to make the, everything related to chickens on this podcast, if that's okay. No, perfect. <laughs> so you know, I, one of the things is I am a driver. I you know I'm always thinking about figuring out how to drive for results, and that's my my thought. Like go go go, let's get stuff done. And I, I think at one point in my in my in the last probably five years, I've realized that you know th- there's the the process of achieving those results is equally important. You know, you don't want to leave dead bodies behind. Uh, right. So I think that, you know, for me, that was a big realization. And, and you know, the fact that you want to make people feel good about themselves rather than, you know, them feeling like they're at a loss and, and they, you know, they don't have a say. Right. So, you know, for me, I ended up hiring a coach for myself and it was not cheap. <laughs> and I think I paid like $3,000 for it for a few months and basically just kind of walking through what my thought process was on things. And I think just getting that help was was huge for me mm-hmm. to change my mind. Like reading books and, and things like that can really improve the way you think and, and how do you make you know self-help books and stuff like that. So that, that's been my teaching moment in the recent years. Is? Boil it down for me. What is it? Oh, so basically the, the teaching moment is, you know, make people people feel good about themselves. Like when you're having a conversation yeah. with people about, you know, getting stuff done, yeah. you need to think about things from their perspective. How is it going to benefit them? And it's not all about you trying to hit your goals or your results. Perfect. What do you consider your biggest success? So for me, my biggest success has been just moving by myself from Mumbai at the age of 17 and then just, you know, figuring out how I was going to survive in through college with no family around. And I, you know, being from an Indian origin, it was a big, a bit of a cultural shock for me when I'm to the States, especially in Massachusetts, where there's a lot of snow. Right. (laughs) And just living on campus and getting through that. And then finally, at the end of my four-year college degree, I got the Students Award. I'm sorry, I got the Chancellor's Award for Student Service. Wow. I'm pretty proud of that accomplishment. Uh Uh-huh. Cool. And what drives you? What drives me? So for me, you know, just that if I wake up in the morning, I'm going to learn something new. (laughs) I I think that's something I'm always excited about, you know, reading a new book, learning some new skills, learning about other people and their lives, and just being curious about what they do every day. Yeah, I think I'm just I think that gets me going. It's like, wow, this world is so much bigger than who I am and and what's around me, right? right? I mean, it's just massive. So I'm pretty excited about that. Cool. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? One of my most favorite books has been Benjamin Franklin's biography, mm. An American Life by Walter Isaacson. And and I was just in love with this book. And I, I would recommend your listeners to use the audible version if possible and not the I mean, the paper version, but you could do the paper too. But it's, it's I think, 44 hours long. Oh my audio. gosh. So, so it's a long 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 book or 33 i mean but still it's pretty long and and i was just amazed like all the stuff dr franklin accomplished in his lifetime from politics to the printing press and how he had all these different characters and all the writing he did it just the the writing itself i think he's probably one of the people that motivated me to get into to to writing and, and writing regularly right you know creating good content. I think he's a great inspiration and, and it's an amazing, amazing book. Cool. What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? One of my pieces of advice for people on this podcast is treat animals as your partners in life. Mm. Treat them equally. You can you can slaughter animals for food, but treat them in an ethical manner with respect. That's my ask. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Kunal. Yeah, thank you, Greg, for having me. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? 
So I am obviously at my website, you know, raising-chickens.com. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Instagram at Wildfire Canal. We also have an amazing, fun Facebook page, Sampath Farms. So you could check that out. We post some really cool stuff there. And my email is canal at sampathfarms.com. So you can also email me. Perfect. And you have a special offer for our listeners for your online school, correct? I do. I do. So we're giving away $10 off our course to all the podcast listeners. You know, our, our heart is, is encouraging more people to, to raise backyard chickens. So we want to make this an affordable course for, for everybody to take. It's, Mm -hmm. it's almost three hours, three hours long with 40 videos and PDF resources. And so the, the code is urban farm 10. And obviously you can put that in the, in the show notes. So everybody gets $10 off, off the course. Perfect. Perfect. You can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Sam Pat Farms. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. The Urban Farm Podcast is sponsored by HealthIQ.com. A decade and a half ago, I took on a very interesting personal goal to run the Arizona Rock and Roll Half Marathon from the first running in 2004 until I was the only one that had run them all. They call us legacy runners. Since then, my times have slowed down a bit, but my commitment is stronger than ever. In fact, I just ran my 15th year in a row, and interestingly, there are less than 100 of us legacy runners left. Wouldn't it be cool if a life insurance agency rewarded me for that health-minded achievement? Well, I found one that will. Health IQ uses an exclusive qualifying process that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, yogis, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. And if you have records like race results or those cool reports we get from the apps logging our efforts, Health IQ takes this into consideration to get you even more savings. Visit healthiq.com forward slash urban farm to support our show and see if you qualify. Just like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.